This is Bishop Michael Curry, and you're listening to The Way of Love. Welcome to the Way of Love podcast with Bishop Michael Curry, a podcast from the Episcopal Church about following Jesus and changing the world. I'm your host, Sandy Millien. In this episode, Bishop Curry has a very joyful conversation with Shane Claiborne, founder of The Simple Way and co-founder of Red Letter Christians, about the importance of spending time in the words of Jesus and allowing them to directly inform and inspire our thinking and our actions. The two discuss what it means to pay particular attention to the red letters of the Bible, those in which Jesus is directly teaching and guiding us even now. Everything that Jesus did was the most profound act of divine solidarity that the world you know, has ever seen, that Jesus is literally um, exposing, absorbing all the violence and hatred of the world and unmasking it, you know, putting it on display and subverting it with love. The practice of learning on the way of love is to spend time reflecting on scripture, especially on Jesus' life and teachings. In a world that is usually too eager to use scripture to justify cruelty and oppression, judgmentalism, and party politics, we as Christians are called to keep recentering our lives and minds on our Lord's words to help bring about God's loving dream for ourselves, our societies, and the whole world. Make sure to stay with us till the end of the interview to hear a short reflection from Bishop Curry. Welcome to The Way of Love. Today, we are blessed and privileged to have a dear brother in Christ, uh, Shane Claiborne, with us. Shane has worked with Mother Teresa in Calcutta, founded The Simple Way in Philadelphia. He heads up the Red Letter Christians, a movement of folks who are committed to living as if Jesus meant the things he said. Shane, welcome to The Way of Love. Yeah, my brother, it's great to be here. <laughs> You're awesome. I tell you, before we get into it, I got to tell folks that Shane is um, a, a dear friend of the Episcopal Church, close to Bishop Daniel Gutierrez there in Philadelphia and um, close to the Archbishop of Canterbury and somebody that many Episcopalians look to for leadership and following Jesus and daring to live a life that looks something like him. So Shane, that's, thank you. That's for, so sweet, my brother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, you know, you've been a part of this whole reclaim Jesus thing, and that's yes. that's what Red Letter Christians is about too. We just want a church that looks more like Jesus, loves more like Jesus, acts more like Jesus. <laughs> oh, you're talking my language. Oh, you are talking my language. <laughs> well, let's get right into it. Let's yeah, get man. right into it. When you were a kid, is this what you thought you would be doing? Well. You know, I didn't grow up anywhere near Philly, and I can't hide it with my southern accent. You know, I grew down uh, up down. In- it's noticeable, <laughs> my brother. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I grew up in East Tennessee. You know, right uh-huh. outside the Smoky Mountains, and I, mm-hmm. uh, my life ambitions were were pretty uh, self centered. I I I'm, I feel like I'm talking to a bishop. I just got to get it out there in in a little spirit <laughs> of confession, brother. But my neighbor was a uh, anesthesiologist. And honestly, he had so much money. And I thought, man, it can't be that hard just to put somebody to sleep. And then somebody else does all (laughs) the hard work. And so that's what I was after. And then I fell deeper and deeper in love with Jesus. And I can remember my, my, 
my ambitions in, you know, going to medical school and all that were, were not uh, altruistic. I was just w- trying to figure out a job where I could make the most money and do the least amount of work and go snowboarding uh-huh. and do my thing, you know. But then I, uh, I heard, you know, someone say that if we find ourselves climbing the ladder of upward mobility, we better be careful or else on our way up, we might pass Jesus on his way down. Mm, and, you know, I mm. heard about this gospel yeah. that is about the least of these. It's, it cares about, yeah. you know, the most vulnerable. And I came to Philly to really pursue that. And I, mm-hmm. I wanted to study sociology. So I studied sociology with our friend Tony Campolo. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I also yeah. wanted to study the Bible because I, I like how old Carl Barth, he said, we, we got to read the Bible mm-hmm. in one hand, but we need to read the newspaper in the other That's so right. that, you know, our, our faith doesn't just become a, uh, a ticket into heaven and an excuse to ignore mm-hmm. the world we live in. So, so, so you didn't expect to be in what you're doing now. And Jesus was the key, but how did Jesus find you and how did you find him? Yeah. Well, I, I like how Dorothy Day says, it's like the hound of heaven, you know, the spirit is after uh, us. <laughs> and, and, yes. and, uh, uh, so I, I, um, while I was in undergrad at Eastern University, it's about a half hour outside of Philly, there was a group of homeless mothers who, um, you know, this is our fastest growing population of folks that don't have homes, moms and kids, least amount of shelter space and housing. There were 3,000 families on the waiting list for housing in Philly. And so these mothers band together and they did something really courageous. They found this old abandoned church building, the, the old Catholic sanctuary, and they moved into it and they started living there. And you know, we read this in the newspaper, literally said church resurrected. <laughs> and it huh. told about how they were living there, um, about a hundred people. And it, it also ended by saying that the Catholic church had given them an eviction notice. Uh, they considered that they were trespassing and they could be arrested if they didn't get out. And boy, you know, it's one of those moments you just d- didn't feel right. And we, you know, threw our hands up at God and we said, God, why don't you do something? And we kind of felt God say, I did do something. I made you get down there, you know? So we went uh-huh. down and that's where everything really, really changed. Uh-huh. And uh, on the front of the cathedral, the families had a banner that said, how can we worship a homeless man on Sunday and ignore one on Monday? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, you know, that lasted mm-hmm. for months and months and many of those families got housing and it's out of that, that our community started. And this is, this is over 20 years ago now, but we've got, you know, this little community now that we've been building, but it all started really in that abandoned Catholic church. And, uh, I got married in there to my lovely wife, Katie. Wow. We got permission to go back in the abandoned church. Boy, you talk about resurrection from the tomb. Now that's an yes. Easter story. Oh it is my an God. Easter story. You know, we, we thought, you know, we, for us, we were just kind of, this was all new ground, but then we started reading about the, you know, church history and St. Francis and Claire, you know, they heard this whisper, yeah. repair my church, which is in ruins. And they brought that old San Damiano cathedral back to life, you know, so this idea of kind of a constant renewal and reformation, I mean, that's what we believe in and mm-hmm. what we've been after. Yeah, brother. That, that that leads me to really want to talk with you a little bit about red letter Christians because you and folk like you are helping us to reclaim Jesus and I'm not just using it in terms of the slogan but really reclaim Jesus which is a reformation in the church and a revolution in society yes and red letter Christians has a particular way that gets at that mm. tell us a little bit about that 
and what red letter Christians are. Yeah, well, where it came from, you probably know this, but a lot of your listeners might not, is it, it wasn't actually a, a, a Christian that, that first came up with the name. It was um, a, a radio DJ down there in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, uh-huh. a secular Jewish country music DJ was interviewing our friend, you know, Jim Wallace, and yes. said, you know, I've read a lot of the Bible and there's parts of it that I love, and there's other parts, frankly, I find a little confusing. And uh-huh. he said, but I've always liked the stuff in red. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, he said, you guys should call yourselves red letter Christians because you seem to live, you know, like the stuff in red and live like it. And uh, uh-huh. so it's sort of, you know, we liked it. It landed. And um, <laughs> what we came to find, though, you know, so, so really, I mean, you know, some folks will say, well, in the whole Bible, the word of God, we say, absolutely. But Jesus is the lens, right, through which yes. we're interpreting the Bible and interpreting how to live in the, in the world we're in right now. So, so that, you know, we, we love the whole Bible, but I think, you know, we read the sermon on the Mount, we read the words Mm -hmm. of Jesus and we just say, what if he really meant that stuff? You you know? (laughs) And I think what we realized too is, you know, as Gandhi said, he was asked about Christianity and Mahatma Gandhi said, I love Jesus. I just wish the Christians took him more seriously. That's right. And boy, you start to see that um, this is a real crisis, you know, in in the church that, you know, as as I look at our current state of our country, you know, the same people that led me to Jesus have led us to Donald Trump. And and I I don't think that, you know, I think he's a symptom of something much bigger. But, you know, when we when we lose our when we take our eyes off Jesus, we end up focusing on things that he didn't focus on and we forget things that he never forgot. yeah. 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 What are some of the things that Jesus focuses on? And I'm I'm pretty sure most folk know what we mean by red letters in at least the in in some Bibles. It used to be in a lot of them, the words of Jesus were actually in red. Right. And, <laughs> and so you actually get the teaching Jesus um in those red letters. What are some of those critical things that Jesus teaches and talks about? Absolutely. And, and you know, and, so, and still many traditions, when you read the gospel, we stand together, right? So yes. it's just a way of honoring that this is the word become flesh, right? Yes. So, so when I, when I look at those, boy, I mean, where to start? I, I think for me, definitely early on this idea that, um, the last are becoming first and the first are becoming mm. last. The, the kingdom of God is upside down, right? From the world mm-hmm. that we live in. And almost every time Jesus opens his mouth, he talks about the kingdom of God. And not just as something we go up to when we die, but something we bring on earth while we live. That, that we're to pursue, you know, the, the kingdom uh, on earth as it is in mm. heaven. And what that looks like, I think Jesus gives us some glimpses of. But um, rather than accumulating more. It's learning to live off of less, live like the lilies and the sparrows, right? With that, that freedom and the, the liberation that comes from, from seeing God's going to provide. We don't need to stockpile our hopes, not in the, hmm. in the stock exchange or yes. our 401k, you know, our, 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 our hope is in, in Jesus. So, you know, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, I think is, is it, I mean, a wild idea in the materialistic world that we live in. I think of, of Jesus saying, love your enemy, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> and boy, that's, that's hard. You know, whoever our enemy is, they're always hard to love. So <laughs> yes. it's true. Uh, but so many things, I mean, one of the things, sister Joan Chittister, I love how she says this. she said, G- one of the things you see is Jesus consistently included the excluded and challenged the chosen. Uh-huh. 
So uh, challenging the chosen when he's yes. talking to the self-righteous religious elite, he says, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom ahead of you. <laughs> yes. You're like, well, I wonder what got him in so much trouble. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you understand why Good Friday happened. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, man. Okay. So let, let me ask you this. One of your books is entitled Jesus for President. Yes. Now, I'm not asking you to be partisan right now. But but what does our faith and discipleship following in the way of Jesus, how does that inform how I vote? Not whether Republican or Democrat, I'm not getting into that. But but what are the how does that inform Michael Curry as a participant in civil discourse um, in the public square? Um, not yes. in terms of telling me how to vote, but in terms of why? The whole point of Jesus for president was that Christians have always had a peculiar political imagination, right? Uh -huh. that, that every time they were saying Jesus is Lord, yes. they were saying Caesar is not. And that's uh -huh. exactly what they are accused of in the book of Acts. They're proclaiming another emperor than Caesar. Everything in Jesus's life is a parody of the imperial power from yes. when he's born as a refugee to when he rides in on a donkey instead of a war horse, when he dies on his throne, which is a cross and his crown mm -hmm. made out of thorns. Like everything mm -hmm. is sort of mirroring the power, but in this wonderfully subversive way. So mm -hmm. I, I am not partisan, um, right. but I believe that the, the gospel is it has political uh, implications, right? It's mm -hmm. radically political in the sense of policies affect our neighbors, right? So loving my neighbor as myself requires uh, caring about the policies that affect their lives. And I, I think that's one of the kind of false mm -hmm. dichotomies we have is that, that this is just, the gospel's just personal. So it's just God transforming individual people rather than, it's also social and God's redeeming the world. And, uh -huh. you know, this, this, you think of the civil rights movement and so many of the things that have changed society, like we needed God to change racist hearts. You know, no, mm -hmm. no law mm -hmm. can do that. Uh, you can't right. legislate love, but right. you know, at the end of the day, we also needed laws to change so that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, everyone could vote and so that people could swim in the same swimming pools. And, and you know, so I, right. I think like, um, that old hymn that says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Yes. I think it, that's a, that sums it up really well. Is My hope is not in the donkey of the Democrats or the elephant of the GOP. My hope is in Jesus and all other ground is sinking sand. Mm -hmm. So, But what I do think is that we have a particular um, gravity towards uh -huh. those who are hurting in the world. So I think as Christians are voting, we're asking, how can this small thing that I'm doing be an act of solidarity with those who are marginalized? So, yes. you know, when Jesus said, welcome, when you welcome the stranger, you welcome me, that should shape how I'm thinking about immigration, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. If we believe that every human being is made in the image of God, then that means, you know, that's got implications on how we think about gun violence that's taken a hundred lives a day, right? Yes. Um, so I, I really um, believe there's a lot of, uh, the, the big challenge in an election year like this is to misplace our hope and to put it in a, you know, mm. political party or a candidate. 
And I think of voting a little bit more. Well, this is a little cynical, uh, uh, Bishop Curry, but I think of it like we're not looking for a Messiah. We found the Messiah. We're, we're looking right. to do damage control. <laughs> we're yes. we're, we're trying good. to harness the principalities and powers that are hurting yes. our brothers and sisters, right? So yes. that's how yes. I kind of think of it. And I think that <laughs> posture is actually much more historically accurate Um you know that that it, so that's you know that's kind of how I think of it. The word vote, you know, it it yeah. has the same root as voice. So it's uh-huh. one way that we can use our voice. But I think Christians, we also know that we don't limit our voice to one day every four years or something. Like we're going to use our voice to proclaim the good news to the poor yes. uh, every day of our lives. So uh, that that's I think some of the challenges with the you know as we think of this election. And for me, you know, I the the big umbrella for shaping a lot of my convictions, brother, is um, this ethic of life that, uh, Mm. you know, some have called the seamless garment or the consistent life ethic um, Mm -hmm. that that if anything is uh, destroying someone's life or dignity, uh, that God takes that personally because every one of us are made in the image of God. So, you know, I grew up talking about pro-life, but we Mm -hmm. really were just focused on one issue. Right. Um, you know, on abortion, we'd be more accurate to say we were uh, pro-birth or anti-abortion, you know, because as soon as you were out, out of the womb, everybody forgot about you. <laughs> so uh-huh. all of these other issues count. And I, I want to be for life from the womb to the tomb. And I do care about uh-huh. reducing uh, the, the number of abortions. And part of that is why I have such a passion to provide health care for people. But, you uh-huh. know, the environment, immigration, uh, right. militarism, all of these are, are pro-life issues too. Do you have a favorite verse from scripture that brings you joy or comfort? Who taught it to you? Have you taught it to someone else? You may well be um, a bridge person between um, sort of classic liberal Christianity and and classic evangelical Christianity. I'm 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 characterizing caricaturing, but you may well be. Do you think you are or can be? Well, well I sure think that you, that that you've been that, and there's so many people in my life that have been those. You know. Mm-hmm kind of pulled the best out of these different uh, uh, parts of the church. And, and, you know, I've, I grew up in the evangelical church. There's parts of it Uh that I still love the fire, the passion, the willingness to die for something, you know? Um, But there's some serious bones I've had to spit out, you know? Uh, (laughs) I I love the liturgy of the church. I've been, you know, mentored by Catholics. So, um, Uh you know, the Catholic worker movement. So, but, and I think the liberal and conservative reflects that too, because uh, mm-hmm. I think when the more I focus on Jesus, the more I see that he really does transcend some of these culture wars and some yes. of the political camps that we get hunkered in. And li- I think likewise, self-righteousness is not partisan. And there are folks that mm-hmm. have great ideas on the left and the right, but they're really mean. <laughs> 
And exactly. I, and I think, exactly. I think just exactly. as important as being uh, right is being kind and having the fruits of the spirit. So I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I am a little uh, squirmy on, on, uh, on uh, fitting too easily in those labels, brother. And uh, I think yes. you're a great bridge builder too. And um, boy, anytime we put a label on somebody, it's kind of to say we're not them, you know, uh, or to box them in. Yeah. We got you figured out now. Yeah. That's like the wisdom of that old hymn that says, in Christ there is no east nor west, in him Come no on. south, no north, but one great yeah. fellowship of love throughout the whole wide earth. That's the Jesus we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. I, I got to ask you something else. Now, this is sort of silly, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because it leads to something. Tell me. You actually spent time with Mother Teresa. I did. You know, it, I mean, it it all came about in this sort of surreal way. We, you know, we were finishing up a year of college and we had the summer free. And you know, oh. here we are dreaming the dreams of Jesus going, how do we, how do we love you know, yeah. how do we love better? What's the way of love, right, Bishop? And, yeah. and so yeah. we we kept reading about all the saints, but then we 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 kept we were just enamored by Mother Teresa. So we said, let's just see if we, you know, if she gives summer internships. And this we ended up getting a phone number from one of her nuns, called it, and Mother Teresa picked up the phone. <laughs> She picked up the phone herself. <laughs> yeah, she I was expecting like a polite missionaries of charity. How can we help you? You know, or something at the reception. And, and Mother yeah. Teresa goes, "Hello," you know. And I said, "Well, we're wanting to come uh, work with Mother Teresa." And she said, "This is her." I said, "Well, we want to. I don't know if you give internships, but we're ready to come work." She said, "Come on, come on out here." So we did, and uh, it was an incredible adventure. You know, I mean, I I worked in. Uh, the orphanages in the morning, and I worked in the uh-huh. home for the destitute and dying, her first home that she started, where we would bring yeah. people in who were dying, and it was very, very ho- holy work. Uh, uh-huh. It was also uh-huh. grueling, you know, it's just, we're, we're you're, you're, it's so uh, emotional, and, you know, everything, and so I, I really, I learned to pray in India, too, Bishop, yeah. like, I, the sisters had such a uh, uh, robust prayer life. And, and, and a lot of it was just, uh, about loving Jesus, you know, uh, mm-hmm. adoring Jesus. We would sit at the foot of the cross for hours. And, um, mm. I can remember, uh, you know, what, there was a reporter that asked mother Teresa, a strange, an interesting question. He said, are you married? And, you know, an interesting question for a nun and mother Teresa's answer though was awesome. She said, uh, well, yeah, um, I am in love, and sometimes my spouse can be so demanding. <laughs> and and uh, that's why I always. Oh think my it's so, god! It's so funny when <laughs> my uh, when my my evangelical friends say, "Well, the Catholics, they, you know, they don't believe in a personal relationship with Jesus." I'm like, Mother Teresa called Jesus her spouse. Like it doesn't get much more personal than that, you know. That's right. <laughs> but she she was uh, she was an incredible woman, and you know, and we had the Eucharist every morning, and and. Uh, and that's one of the things uh-huh. she said, too, is one of the nuns said, I said, why do we do this every morning? And she said, well, you've heard the saying, you are what you eat. And she's like, that's what Ooh. we're celebrating. I mean, right. And I, I can just mm. I felt this depth of prayer and mm. of the sacraments and everything that has shaped who I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know, and even the prayers that we pray, Bishop, every, every morning in India, uh-huh. we would pray. May every person I come in contact with feel your presence in my soul, Jesus. And then we Mm. would pray and let me leave off your fragrance 
everywhere I go, Jesus. So it was literally, even from, you know, taking communion together, all of it was about Jesus filling us with himself so that we could be the hands in Christ to the world. Uh, As, you know, Mm. Paul said, the life I live, I no longer live, but Jesus lives in me. And I literally began to understand that, you know, in in a new way as we we did that work. So it was, it was incredible. I got to go back, you know, years later, but that the uh-huh. kind of charism and vibe of, of mother Teresa and the sisters has really shaped who I am and, and, and our community yeah. here in North Philly. Uh, it, it's called, our community is called the simple way. And that came from, from mother Teresa because she said, following Jesus is simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well, that you just segue right into something. Cause it's not easy, mm. and 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 this following Jesus is the way of the cross. Yes, um, and it and that can mean suffering. It always means sacrifice, um, the conquest of self and self interest, unenlightened self interest, and all of that stuff. But it does mean that there's some. I mean, I I, I have a feeling that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, mm. um, he it wasn't a mountaintop experience. (laughs) You know what I mean? It wasn't a happy experience. Um, And that, that for those first followers of his, his death on the cross, that, that I just think that Saturday between Friday and that getting up morning on Sunday. Yes. That Saturday, excuse the language had to be hell. Yeah. And the tradition speaks of the harrowing of hell. Yes. How do you keep going? It does feel like we're kind of kind of living in Holy Saturday, doesn't it? The in-between space yeah. between, uh, you know, the cross and, and the empty tomb. I mean, I, I think that's part of what we realize is that we're, we're kind of Easter people in a Good Friday world. You know, we're we're yeah. living yeah. on the side of love, but it doesn't always feel like the light uh, is stronger than the darkness sometimes. But, you know, yes. I, there's, there's so many things that I learned, you know, even as we... Uh, you know, walked through Holy Week this year. Um, uh-huh. And there, there's there's so much that we've, I, I, I see in, in, in what happened through Christ's death and resurrection. But part of it is just everything that Jesus did was the most profound act of divine solidarity that the world, mm. you know, has ever seen. That Jesus is literally... Um, exposing, absorbing all the violence and hatred of the world and unmasking it, you know, putting it on display yes. and subverting it with love. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and to that point where even Jesus, I mean, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, we could, we could ponder that for the rest mm-hmm. of our lives, that God felt the absence of God. So I think, I think, you know, so much that we see in, in our faith has room for, as Dorothy Day said, that long loneliness, you know, the, the, the yes. feel, the, the, um, the, 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 this world has done us wrong. And that's part of what, you know, my last few books have addressed some of those injustices uh, around the death penalty and what does it mean uh-huh. to wor- worship an executed 
savior, <laughs> you know, yeah. a savior that that um, yes. was ki- killed by the state, you know, and by our own. Yes, exactly. in our hearts, And yet uh, triumphed over that with love on his lips. So, I mean, that should do something to us. If we don't really dig into that, we can end up misunderstanding that, you know, to where I have folks that uh, uh, even now they they justify the death penalty. And part of why I wrote a book on the death penalty and on gun violence is that I found on these two issues of life, Christians have not been the champions, but we've often been the obstacles. I mean, the highest yeah, gun yeah. owning demographic in America uh, are white Christians. Um, and the, yes. the, the Christians are at, um, uh, you know, are for the death penalty at a higher rate than the general public. And 85% of executions happen in the Bible belt. So I think like our faith should change the way that we think about uh, so much of the world so that we're imagining, you know, what does it look like for God's kingdom, God's dream to come on earth? And mm-hmm. that's what we, I think we, we sort of see, you know, what, what does it look like for uh, that Jesus rose from the dead, but that that was not just a one-off event. You know, the early Christians said, now we live in light of the resurrection. We practice yes. resurrection every day. So what does it mean to love people back to life? What does it mean to stand on the side of mercy over judgment? What does it mean to, to renew this earth as God wants us to, you know, so uh, resurrection changes everything, you know, but also the cross changes everything, you know, the, the sense of, I, I heard one mother right after we had a shooting here, Bishop in the neighborhood, um, uh-huh. we had our, Good Friday vigil because it was in the season of Lent outside of the gun shop, two blocks from our our house. The young guys carried the cross. They put it in front of the gun shop, and we read the narrative of of the gospel of Jesus's death and the women weeping at the cross. And then afterwards, we had the moms and dads who had lost their kids share their stories, and something happened that just mystical. And, and it, was, it was like the, the tears of the moms 2000 years ago met the tears of our moms and the passion mm-hmm. of Jesus met the passion of our, our neighborhood and the suffering here. And this mother came up to me afterwards and she said, I get it. I get it. And, and then she mm-hmm. said, God knows what it feels like to lose your boy. And it was the mother of the 19 year old that was just killed. Oh, Jesus. And that's some of the most powerful theology I've ever heard. It, uh, no offense, but it's, it's better than uh, anything I, I read in seminary. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. God, God. God knows what it feels like to oh. be a mom that lost your boy. God knows what it feels like, yeah. uh, as one mother told me, to have your, your child wrongfully convicted and sentenced to death. Like, so that, I mean, that, that changes everything. If we really lean into the mystery of what Jesus did uh, yes. through, through the margins. Mm. You, you, you're, you're leaning into something. One of uh, Dorothy Day's books was the, um, uh, the, the reckless way of love. Yes. Um, which, I mean, it's a collection of, of, of stuff. By her. But part of one of the themes through that, um, really is the the struggle, um, which I think is part of the journey. It's like Pilgrim's Progress. It's not easy. Yeah. It's simple, but it's not easy. And and how do you, Shane Claiborne, how do you keep going when everything in reality can push against you? 
I'll tell you a couple of things that I, I guess have been important to me. Having our feet on the ground in a real place with real people in a real neighborhood um, puts wind in my cell. And I mean, my neighborhood is not easy. I mean, it, we, we've still got a lot of gun violence. We've got a lot of poverty, but it is a neighborhood that is resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I was talking to one of my neighbors about the stock market and he said, Oh, no matter what happens on wall street, God is still good. And yes. he said, and beside our people have been in a recession for 300 years. <laughs> right. Exactly. God, God has never left us, you know, that's right. So the, um, there's a resilience and, and, and I think there's a lot of people working it, you know, uh, on the policies and, and the legislation and lobbying in DC and they need to come hang out on the stoop. You know, they need to like, yeah. Uh, sit around a little fire on the block or barbecue, you know, like, and, mm-hmm. and then there's other people that I think if all we were doing was giving out food every day and we're, you know, we're expecting to give out several hundred bags of food today. If that's all we were doing, we would start to get tired. I think if we weren't also doing something about why people are hungry to begin with. So uh-huh. I think the micro and the macro kind of have to go together, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and so those are sort of the two feet that I, I walk on. And then I, I think the other piece of, of all this is, is what I've always loved about you is, is we've got, we've got this joy that we've got to protect and care for. Yes. That the, one of the fruits of the spirit is joy. And one of my mentors said years ago, if, if we can't laugh, then the devil's already won. That, you know, if, if, yeah. if, if, if we don't have that joy and there's a lot of justice circles that have lost their joy. But I, mm-hmm. I like that Emma Goldman quote that uh, yeah. if I can't dance, it's not my revolution. You know, that we we are not just prote- right. te- we're not just protesting. We're protestifying like we've got to proclaim yes. the good news uh, that, that things yes. can be made right. So, you know, at the heart of everything we're doing is this proclamation. So, you know, I'm deeply heartbroken about gun violence and the lives that are lost mm-hmm. to it. But we're, we're inspired by the prophets, Mike and Isaiah that talk about beating our swords into plows, our spears into pruning hooks. So we've literally taken our cues from yes. this image of turning death into life, turning the instruments of death into tools of life. And so we've, we've uh, mm. started taking donated guns and turning them into garden tools. And, uh, Literally here in our backyard, we've got a blacksmithing shop so that we are able uh-huh. to take donated guns and and transform them into shovels and and uh, mm. uh, you know plows and heart necklaces and so. But there's a part of that yeah. that is it, it's not just the uh, uh, it's what Gandhi called the the you know the constructive program. We're we're building something new uh-huh. together. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think we got to have that that hope, and you know, um, so I, I like living with people yeah. that are a lot of fun, you know, and that have a good yes. sense of humor and believe in pranks and stuff like that, you know. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. real fools for Christ. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. <laughs> like my grandma used to say, "Don't be just a plain fool; be a fool for Christ." <laughs> Everybody's a fool for something, yeah. So that's right. Be a fool for the right thing, yeah. That's right. But Jeremy's given me the couple of minute warning, and I, I, I don't want to forget one question. Yes. What do you actually do for fun? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, right now, honest to goodness, I have been, uh, I mean, I'm this, you know, apprentice blacksmith. So I, I wish I, could, I had a video because I brought all these things that we're making out of guns. You, you would love them. Uh-huh. I got to send you a little piece for your office here. But uh, okay. I, I'm loving, I'm loving uh, transforming guns into uh, other things, you know. But I, I also, Bishop, I, before I was talking about being fools, before I got involved with all this church work. I went to the, I, I was in circus school. Uh-huh. Were you really? So, oh yeah, man. And I learned, I, w- I went to this advanced circus camp and I, so I, I've got all these, uh, you know, we're, my wife and I are both unicyclers and jugglers. And, oh, uh, Lord. and so we've got stilts. That's what my Christmas present was a pair of stilts. My w- wife gave me, but then my specialty too is a uh, fire breathing, you know, which, <laughs> comes in handy on Pentecost, but I, I can fire yeah. eat and fire breathe. So all of that, uh, I feel like the world needs a little more circus. So I, I, um, we've been posting these videos just to lift people's hearts a little bit in the pandemic Bishop and, uh, they're called yeah. play and pray. So we'll do a little prayer, but we also share some kind of little circus, uh, thing. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, brother, your joy. You juggle, but I, I might have to. I, we might have to do a little juggling someday, Bishop. I, I, I don't uh, juggle in that sense, but I juggle professionally. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know you do. I know you it's, do. Shane, you are you are um, an angel sent from God, a messenger um, of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it is just a blessing and a privilege to have had this conversation. And, and I will return the favor. However, I would only ask for easy and nice questions. <laughs> I get a few zingers like you have, but I love you, oh, yeah. brother. I, oh, I, this I is have great. so much respect for you, and I'm praying oh. for you, and I can't wait to oh. we can we can be together and can, you know get you up here yes. to Philly with Bishop Daniel, or be, you know hang out with us sure. a little bit. But think the world of you, and I'm praying for you, and. Uh, Let's talk again soon, my brother. Sure will. Back at you. God bless you. Keep you. And you just keep preaching Jesus in your life and in with your words, brother. You're incredible. Amen. You know, there really are some times when you meet people and spend time with people who really do just radiate um, the, the joy of, of, of the life of Jesus and of his spirit. And, uh, Shane is really one of those people. Um, and, and joy is not, um, being silly. Um, it's not even necessarily being happy. Um, happiness is occasioned by, um, external things. Joy comes from a deep place. Um, a deep place within. And Shane just exudes a joy that that's not just his personality. It's a joy that comes from just really trusting this Jesus and having a real relationship with him, one that takes him seriously enough to really ask, do you think Jesus actually meant what he said? And to dare to live that question, there is the opening to the joy that the Bible talks about in Hebrews, when at the end of um, 
Hebrews chapter 11, where they talk about people who were people of faith. And it, it goes through the list, um, you know, Abraham and Sarah and uh, Moses and Noah. And, and it talks about people who were, kept the faith even in hard times against the odds. And then the chapter 11 merges into chapter 12. And, and it then says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And here's the clincher, who for the sake of the joy that lay before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and now sits at the right hand of the throne of God. I caught a glimpse of that joy talking to Shane Claiborne. Thanks be to God. Thank you for being with us today on another episode of The Way of Love with Bishop Michael Curry. If you'd like to learn more about Shane Claiborne, visit his website at shaneclairborne.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-C-L-A-I-B-O-R-N-E.com. And to know more about how you can begin the work of learning and centering your life on the words of Jesus, check out our show notes for an episode of Traveling the Way of Love with Bishop Michael Curry, a link to Forward Movement's Forward Day-by-Day podcast, and more. As always, you can learn more about Bishop Curry and the Way of Love, including how to create your own personal rule of life at episcopalchurch.org. Special thanks this week to Shane Claiborne, Bishop Curry, Jerusalem Greer, Chris Sikama, Jeremy Tackett, and Scott Van Pletzerans. I'm Sandy Millian, and I'll see you next time on The Way of Love. The way of Jesus is the way of love, and the way of love can change the world. You're invited to join thousands of Episcopalians, neighbors, and friends this summer at the Love Always Revival at the KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. On Saturday, June 22nd, Get immersed in inspiring worship and community, deepen your love for God, kick off the 81st General Convention, and extend a warm welcome to folks discovering the Episcopal Church. The revival is free to attend, so bring your friends. If you're from a neighboring diocese, check in with your diocesan revival champion to find out about group travel options. You can find more information along with registration at iam.ec.com. Love always.